Welcome back, Trendsetters, to another Ag Watchers podcast. Uh, we've got another special guest with us today, one we've had before. It's our um, currency correspondent from Western Union, Trent Osmond. Um, we'll cut to Trent in a second, but um, I just might have a quick uh, rundown of what's been going on in markets. So, Andrew, did you want to um, give us a quick uh, blast of the uh, big things in the grain space? And I'll do a quick livestock one, and then we'll, um, we'll jump across to Trent and talk Aussie dollar. Uh, Matt, how's it going? It's always really good to have a, a conversation about commodities. And uh, it's good to get our uh, FX correspondent on because he told us that the, uh, that the Aussie dollar was going to fall by harvest, I think, last time. Turn it up. So we're just here to give him a bit of a ribbing. Uh, grains, what's been happening in grains? Well, you know, it's this time of year, I guess, when there's a bit of, there's not that much information around. But the one thing we are seeing is, you know, they had that big storm come through the U.S., a Derecho storm, which is basically a fancy word for a, a big bloody flat storm. And so what has effectively happened is there's a few question marks around about how much corn is going to be produced this year, which, you know, corn's a big, uh, a big grain commodity. Uh, but I think largely on that, on that discussion, we're still talking about shed loads of corn in the US, even if Iowa does get impacted by this, uh, this storm. Uh, but we're seeing the market rally a little bit, not, not massively, not what I'd call big substantive rocket changes to, to grain pricing, but not nice stable increases. There's actually quite interesting, Matt uh, and Trent, a lot of people keep saying there's a lot more volatility in the wheat market. Well, actually, there's less volatility because volatility is a, uh, an indicator of the movement in a price and the ups and downs, not just at the moment, the market's actually going in one direction, which has been upwards. So it's actually not volatile. It's quite linear. Uh, we looked at a bit on the last couple of days. I've been looking at that commitment of traders report. And I think it's, it's important to look at that report Commitment of Traders, for those who, who want to know, is basically a report which uh, summarizes whether traders of different kinds are, are long or short in the marketplace. And we typically just look at the speculators because we know what the consumers are wanting and we know what the producers are. And uh, the speculators you know, have decreased their net short in the last couple of weeks, still overall across all wheat, they're still net short, uh, net long in Chicago. But when we sort of look at it, I'm still always a bit concerned about following that court report too much and what speculators do. Because I know guys like Trent, masters of the universe, you know, sitting in their glass offices, you know, overlooking, you know, the city, you know, in the corner offices, making decisions for billions of dollars at a time, you know, we we fall into the trap of believing that speculators are always right. So if and they go, and they know where it's going. Yeah, with, with the six screens worth of uh, you know data and charts, and everything else. Yeah, and, and 12, they look at twelve it. screens now nowadays, Matty. Twelve screens. <laughs> uh, mate, when I was doing it, you lucky to have two screens in the olden days. But but when two, they two screens. But 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 they're not always right, and just because they start going long or start going short doesn't mean that the market's going to stay there. And I still think the fundamentals 
are the, are the primary driver of markets in the longer run. And we've seen plenty of times over the last couple of years, speculators go along and then after a while, the, no um, one left to buy it. No one left to buy it after they all go long, and uh, that's it. And then the market sort of quickly comes back. So I think the big thing in, in grains probably this week is A bears have their report out uh, next next Tuesday. I think it is, and uh, that will give us a bit of an insight into where they think the Australian crop is going, and uh, and that will be sort of an interesting point. Don't think there'll be many surprises because generally the rest of the market has got their their views on it prior to ABARES, but always a good big chunk of data that we can delve through. What's happening in livestock before we, uh, before, before we start grilling Trent? That's it. Uh, so we've seen a bit of a re- small recovery in land markets. Uh, Eastern's trade, Eastern trade lamb indicator up about 30, 40 cents. Um, so six, seven, I think it was just uh just closing now, that that kind of level. Um, we did put out a fair value model about a fortnight ago on the TEM website, and that indicated that that 60, 650 level in the STLI was a bit of a short-term kind of support. So I think it, it dipped a little bit under that, but then it's bounced. So um, that's pretty uh, in line with the model. Um, we are still obviously forecasting uh, potential for one more probe further south just as we see the spring flush get into full swing in um, Victoria in the next few months. Um, but, you know, down around that 600 uh, cent level for ASTLI is probably going to be about it, I think, for the downside. So we're probably only, you know, 50 to 70 cents away, maybe at a stretch a dollar away from a bottom. Um, I can't see it going much below 580 at all, really, even if it, if it ducks below six bucks for a, a brief bit, maybe. But um, I think we're seeing the bottom and, um, and then, uh, yeah, once that spring flushes out, we might see it just start to creep back higher again a little bit as we get in towards the end of the year. Um, cattle prices—it's it's all been restockers um, in, with the young cattle in particular. So Eastern Young Cattle Indicator making new highs. It's 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 held for the last few days. It's um, kind of around the six eighty five level, I think now. Um, so not um, uh, not far away from. Uh, uh, sorry, 785 level, I should say. Uh, not far away from um, getting up through 800 cents. I think there's a chance that it will do that, given the forecast we've seen um, into the next three months for the Bureau. It's looking really good in that kind of amount of grass in the East Coast, uh, particularly in New South Wales. We had a fair amount of turnoff in Southern and Southern Queensland um, last, last year where it was dry. They're going to look to restock, so that could push it above $8. Um, the other thing that's helping out at the moment is that Finished cattle prices are up, still holding 370-odd cents a kilo live weight. And why, for while the finished cattle price can hang up above uh, 350 cents live weight, then there is actually money in, in a grass-fed trade um, buying young cattle above $8, maybe as high as $8.30. Um, but I think it's going to top out around eight thirty, eight fifty is my tip for the Eki. Um, but, yeah, look, that's pretty much it. The only other real concerning thing still is just what's going on with Victoria and processes. Um, we're not yet... Uh, haven't yet been told from um, the Andrews government what's going on come the middle of September in terms of the restrictions there and in, and in particular what's going to happen with processes. So we, we're not far away now from the spring flush, uh, middle of October is when they start to really uh, increase and then by November we're getting big numbers coming through Victoria. We definitely need uh, Victorian processes to be up to full capacity uh, by October, November because um, you know, 50% of the country's lambs gets processed in uh, Victoria. 
Um, so if they're not up and running, we're in, we're in real strife in terms of what, how we're going to process these lambs. But um, we'll just wait and see what happens on Sunday for the announcement for the Victorian government. And then uh, hopefully we can keep COVID under wraps and uh, get these processes back and going. And what, what about what about with the, at the moment, cattle prices in Australia are pretty high. Uh, what are you seeing with the likes of, you know, I think we've got one of the, uh, we've got a pretty good processor margin model that gives us an indication of what processes are making. You know, I know you haven't updated it in quite some time, uh, <laughs> but what is the, uh, what is the outlook likely to be for, for August? Well, we update it monthly, Andrew, as you know, and um, I'll be updating it. Uh, now that the month's rolled around, I'll just wait for the, some of the data to come in this week and then I'll be updating it uh, probably next week. Um, and, yeah, we only updated it just uh, in early in early uh, August, so um, it's not that far away, man. But um, what, would you, what would expectations will be for another month of poor processor margins? Yeah, look, the, um, looking at how um, the margins go, in particular the, the pattern for the whole of the year, like the annual margin over the whole of the year, given the level of slaughter we're seeing in Australia, there's a fair um, correlation between slaughter levels and, and margin. Uh, with such tight tight numbers um, with the low herd and the low slaughter, um, there's no way processors are going to make good money this year. And you know, if you combine the fact that we've got now decent restocking, and that means cattle going in to the process are going to be expensive. Um, and then you've got the global situation with COVID, you know, the, the, and, and the higher Aussie dollar, which we're going to go to in a second. That's kind of pressuring that finished cattle price to a degree. Um, so, and we've seen off, offshore prices like export prices. Obviously, um, 70% of our product gets exported for beef. So those offshore prices um, are under a bit of pressure, and that's just going to mean uh, margins, margins will continue to be tight this year for processors. Certainly, what the, the models show now, and I think um, it's unlikely they're going to get any relief um, this year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. Interesting talking about the offshore market there, Maddie, and probably segues nicely into the currency um, and what's what's happening at the moment with uh, with this Aussie dollar. Yeah, so, so I think I, I can't quite remember what we said last last time we had a hookup with you, which is only a month ago. I think we were, I think we were actually calling it up still. Trent and I were both bullish. Trent and I have actually been bullish on the Aussie all of last year, even when, even when it went from uh, the low 60 cents down to 55 cents. We were, we were vainly holding on for hope and uh, it's finally turned the corner. I actually lost a bet with a, with a wool broker just by a month or so. I was calling Aussie above 70 cents for ages and um, I missed out by about a month and a half uh, on, on making the bet come good for me. But um, now what are we sitting, Trent, 74 cents or something or nearly that? I'm su- I was there when you made that bet, and I'm surprised you can remember it, mate. So uh, congratulations, um, <laughs> but unlucky. Yeah, mate, uh, what do we get today? Yeah, nudging, we'll trade it through 74, mate, o- overnight. And, yeah, certainly looks uh, looks positioned for a run higher, that's for sure. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's got a bit of strength to it, um, trading through this, What's, uh, this um, figure so today. Is it uh, – I, mean, I think we spoke a few times and um, – one was the most recent podcast to do with you, but then there was times prior on a different podcast we'd spoken about when, when COVID was first breaking. And uh, even back then, you and I were still saying, um, once we get through that initial risk sell-off of the Aussie, which is what we saw, if you mm. hark back to the um, GFC, we saw, and we, we spoke about that back in that podcast, that during the GFC, the initial reaction for the markets was to sell the Aussie off. But then once they realised 
uh, Australia was doing quite well in the GFC, that they were relatively insulated, that China was still going okay and, and taking our product. The Aussie then kind of turned the corner and rallied significantly over the next period. Um, and and you know, such that by 2011, we were above parity with the US. Um, not to suggest we're going to see that again now, but certainly it looks to me like um, obviously high interest rates, relatively speaking, for Australia is helpful. The fact that we're dealing with COVID, I suspect, reasonably well, considering if you look at other parts of the world, how they're still struggling with it. Is that part of the reason or are there other factors other than interest rates and our COVID successes that are driving this Aussie higher? I guess, you know, learn from history, Matt. I, we've, we've seen it above parity and, you know, um, I hate to call it and, you know, certainly not calling it there, but, like, oh, you know, we, we tread, saw that tread. post. So let, let, let me go, Andrew. Let me go, Andrew. Western <laughs> Union calls, calls Aussie dollar at parity. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's a good point, though, mate. I mean, the, the three kind of themes, um, you know, following on from that is, um, you know, the data, I guess, is, 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 is the driver in, in the short term. So, so what we've been seeing now... Um, uh, this is a new one for you, um, boys. Um, the surprise index at Citigroup, um, you know, release, which is basically a global economic, um, you know, data source of, of, of global um, global data, I guess, that's being released on, you know, economic performance is at the highest level it's been even higher than when it was post-GFC, which, gives you, which, which can give you a bit of insight around, you know, the, the kind of nervousness or, or, or you know, the, the market's initial reaction, you know, as we spoke about on our previous podcast. Um, and then that, you know, that return to, you know, a sense of optimism and normality, which is, um, you know, referenced in some recent data here domestically. Um, you know, I think over the last couple of weeks, um, all the, you know, early indicators for what GDP is likely to be, which is released tomorrow, have been quite strong and, and better than expected. Um, Capital expenditure released a couple of days ago is positive. Well, you've got, um, to, you've got to look as well at that iron ore price as well. It's, it, yeah, it, it's it helps. Smashing things. That's right. Yeah. Um, so did you say, Trent, it was, it's called the Surprise Index, is it? So it's a, another index that they, is that what you're saying? That they, yeah, Citigroup have a, you know, have an economic monitor, I guess, on, um, you know, global data. And, and when it's positive, um, and, and above expectation, it kind of rolls up into a above expectation surprise kind of index, uh, oh, okay. index model. That so it's measuring, it's measuring kind of in the recent data that's come out, say, for a particular currency, um, if the data has been coming out yeah. or, or an area, yeah, if the data has been coming out above expectations as a positive type scenario, um, and there's been a, a number of them, then it kind of builds into this idea that, that, you know, the market might be misreading a particular area or under, undervaluing a particular area. Uh, and then that's where you get this reaction where the, where the market then adjusts. Exactly right. hundred percent. Yeah. After they've um, gone, surprise. Surprise. That's right. And this little bar just goes up and you're like, here we go. <laughs> but um, no, you're right. Yeah. So look, the data, um, the surprise index, that's, I guess, your, your first, first theme, you know, your, your global economic pulse is positive and better you know, to where everyone thought it would be. Um, I guess, mm. you know, of, of recent, this is, this is what, you know, in my opinion is the, the biggest factor that's going into it. And we, we spoke to interest rates last time. It's, um, you know, the nonstop liquidity coming out of, the, you know, the Fed in the States, like just absolutely, um, you know, going hard at the economy, um, you know, just to kind of save it. And the Fed, are, you know, they're at zero interest rates. Um, and they've indicated, you know, I think only this week or last week, sorry, that they'll keep interest rates 
you know, at zero and, and, and maintain low rates for years to come, you know, for the next couple of years and, and potentially even longer. So, you know, your, your 10 year bonds rolled over overnight again. I think they went from, you know, 0.8 end of last week to, you know, now 0.71. Um, you know, that's a bit of a, you know, canary in the coal mine for just, you know, dollar being, you know, sold. And that's um, relative to the dollar index, which is basically the US dollar benchmarked against a basket of currencies. Um, and when that's, you know, when the US dollar's, you know, getting flogged in market, that's usually, you know, your, your biggest indicator. So that's, you know, now fallen through um, a key support level. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's probably a good little segue to, to talk into um, uh, the kind of post-GFC. You, you said it first there, Matt. Like, um, you know, the, these kind of the, – these the first two points, I guess, are – you know, unfortunately, rolling back to what happened in 2009 from March to December, Aussie went from 60 cents to 94 cents. Um, and, you know, Aussie has been at 55 already this year and it's, you know, trading at 74 cents. And, you know, unfortunately or ironically, it's, um, you know, at least on the cropping side, you know, you're talking, Andrew, we could, you know, you've got the, got the good crop, but then you've got this appreciating dollar that, that kind of, you know, softens the softens the positivity on that or, or, you know, it's manageable, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just not a, you know, one, two step forward, one step back type of thing um, that, you know, from a global standpoint. Um, you mentioned there about big dollar is in US dollar and that being sold off. So part of this Aussie strength is also the US dollar coming off. How much of the uncertainty around, so in coming into the US election now, closer to November, is there any further kind of, um, you know, US dollar weakness just around, that perception of, of, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen. I mean, obviously that all the polls are saying, or at least the, the traditional polls are saying that Biden's pretty much a shoe in, but we've seen that nah, one not before a chance. <laughs> with, Trump. Yeah, with, with Hillary, with Hillary Clinton, um, you know, she was kind of, although the, the polls were tighter than between Trump and, and Clinton, but um, I did see something earlier. I'll, 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 this, put a, th- I'll put a bet on today. Here we go. This yeah, is man. it. <laughs> I'll put fifty dollars on Trump winning. Yeah, um, well, I did say I did say I've, 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 and, and, and and just remember, if if you want to take that bet on, that I've got every single election correct in the last five years. So take take that as a warning. You're you not know. meaning just the US election. You're meaning the Australian election, the British... Uh, Brexit, you know, the Scottish independence, Holyrood. That, that is true. He has actually called a few. But oh, look, it's an interesting point. I know that the polls, certainly for anyone that watches Planet America, um, they're, 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 those two fellows, Chaz, um, Chaz and John, are all over the American um, detail there. And they've been saying this time around it's different um, comparing Hillary and the experience with her and the polls and what's happening now with Biden, they're saying that it's, it's fundamentally different in terms of the polls. But there was a, um, a story that came out, I think, from the New York Times this week that talked about, again, those um, voters that say they might be voting for Biden but are, are actually going to vote for Trump and that how inaccurate the polls could be. And they talked about um, the activity on Facebook and how much activity on Facebook is Trump-related and how much Biden-related. And they're suggesting that Facebook indicates that um, there's a lot of sharing of Trump's material, and if that if that is support for Trump, or if that signals some kind of um, you know support for Trump behind closed doors, that the polls could be out again this time around, which is interesting. Or they did make the point though that it could be people that don't like Trump sharing the videos around and and, and footage of him making an ass of himself. That could be the other aspect. But it's one of those things where um, the polls definitely are showing that 
Biden's going to win. But um, like I said, we can't always believe the polls. And and our um, our Nostradamus in the uh, office here, he's called it for um, called it for Trump already now by the sound of things. But yeah, look, how much of that trend is is that weighing on the Aussie the uh, the uncertainty uh, Sorry, on the US dollar? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's a good question. I, look into the last election, yes, it saw US dollar weakness in the lead up just with the uncertainty because it was such a dramatic event. Um, will we see that again, like potentially, but I, I, I don't think it's going to have the biggest effect, you know, other than coming back down to, you know, what we've just been through, I guess, you know, interest rates, um, you know, the, <laughs> I'm going to say it again, the surprise index um, and just, you know, that, that, economic growth and sentiment and outlook, you know, and, and Andrew, you mentioned that the iron ore price, you know, obviously commodity prices helping. So I, I think that's, they're your themes. Um, the, the election will come and go. Um, yeah, it might influence in the short term, um, you know, in the lead up, um, you know, probably settle after, but look, I, yeah, I think there are just more things at play that will potentially drive it, um, you know, more over than just the, uh, the election in the States. The surprise index isn't just another... I know in the days when I was doing currencies, if you, if you never knew what the reason behind uh, why the move went as it went, you'd just say profit-taking. That was always your go-to if you didn't know the answer. Oh, <laughs> profit-taking. The odds has come off a bit of profit-taking. Um, is the surprise index just one of those ones where you, you know, people don't, aren't quite totally aware of what's going on or, or don't, haven't got an answer, so they just kind of um, you know, create some kind of a magical index to help uh, explain away when the forecast and the economists get it wrong? Yeah, I think more buyers than sellers, mate. I think that's the reason why. <laughs> mm. No, look, I think, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. But, um, yeah, the numbers are the numbers, the data is the data, and the surprise is the surprise when it's, you know, in the, it's in the positive region, I should say. That's what I didn't mention. The, the surprise index mm. is high. That means everyone is a, it's got, can go the other way, negative surprise. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my favourites, more buyers and sellers. I always thought that was a curious one. For, for a trade to happen, you need the same amount of buyers and sellers. Exactly uh, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. No, very good. That's about it on the currency side of things. It's, yeah, Aussie moving up for 18-month highs, I think, last week, 74 cents today. Um, you know, what does tomorrow bring? But, yeah, look, you just don't know. But it's, um, yeah, if these things are going to have any influence on it, um, you know, it certainly, you know, gives support to, um, you know, US dollar weakness, which is, you know, a, a byproduct of Aussie strength. Your mic's, your mic's gone, Andrew, by the sound of things. No, can't hear you at all, but that's all right. Um, with regard, you get that sorted out while um, I uh, go try now. This, it's this high-tech, fancy stuff. He's such an IT uh, person. Um, he's got a, a, a unit there that's all, um, what is it, hands-free unit, and the battery goes out and then it, everything fails on him. Go, Andrew. <laughs> no. no. Look at him. We're going to have to... You'll have to, you'll have to hold up a, uh, a little bit of paper to the screen so I can read your question for Trent. He's gone. Um, no, what, what, what I was going to uh, yeah, try now, Andrew. Hello. Getting there. Hello. Yeah. That's better. Right. Well, anyway, after that brief interlude due to technical fault, what about the other big currency? 
Come on, Trent. The other big Aussie. The Aussie Scott. <laughs> the, the, the pound. The pound. I've still got a mortgage in the UK, so this is a question I always ask your colleague Dooley when he's doing a presentation, as, as a curly one. But what is uh, what is the pound going to do? We've got a Brexit coming up fast in the next four months. Mate, the market is over Brexit. They're sick of hearing of it. You know, they're just going to be... Yeah, look, I mean, probably trade more sideways um, than... <laughs> You know, I'm not a, not trying to roll through this one, mate. But um, yeah, the US dollar weakness will be the driver of Aussie West. Aussie sterling will probably be a bit more benign and probably just range trade around around current levels, mate. That's you know that that's probably it. That's probably what uh, what we're expecting to see on the sterling. I think too. Just going back, just going back to Aussie US for a second, Trent. So. The broad, I mean, we, you know, obviously we might see the um, the swings up and down, but the broad, the well and truly the broad direction now is for Aussie, uh, the Aussie trend to be, you know, kind of progressively higher. So from a from a perspective of um, certainly red meat markets here in Australia, um, that's not going to favour uh, the producer and it's not going to help out um, the processes local here in Australia um, to shift product offshore, certainly, as it continues to grind higher. Um, Andrew, from a from a grains perspective, um, you know, what's the kind of uh, threats there from a higher Aussie? Yeah, well, it's sort of twofold, I guess. If you were selling grain for export, so it will be helpful. It will be, no, sorry, opposite. It won't be helpful for, for exports of grains. Uh, it will be helpful come the first half of 2021 for the likes of people who are, you know, buying fertilizer, fuel, chemicals, although chemicals are an issue at the moment because of floods in China. Supply. Yeah. But it does, a higher Aussie dollar, in theory, should make inputs cheaper. Uh, but it means, as, a, as predominantly a country with what, 25 million people and food for 60 to 75 million people, we have to export. And so our higher dollar is going to, it's going to hurt that. And, and yeah, not good for grains. And probably the worst time for grains as well, because yeah. as we come into September, this is when between September and January is where 80% of all grain will be sold. Did you want to just elaborate quickly on, um, on that? You mentioned the, about the supplies there in, in, in terms of inputs, uh, Andrew. Um, why, why, why is that a bit of a concern? Um, just obviously the floods in China are an issue there, but um, so you're saying in terms of kind of things like glyphosate and... Uh, yeah, yeah, so, so in, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen these particularly bad floods through large tracts of China. And we've got an, an issue where a lot of production of fertilizer and chemicals is quite consolidated nowadays. And it's all consolidated in those areas that have been flooded. And so we're now seeing a lot of plants. A good example is glyphosate, which a lot of those plants have effectively been shut down. And that's going to cause an issue in terms of production. Chances are, well, fingers crossed, we shouldn't have too much of an impact in Australia because we've got plenty of, of stocks at the moment. And it's really a case of, you know, can they get them up and running again to make sure we don't have, you know, an issue with stocks come early new year uh, but again it becomes another issue of, of reliance on one major sort of country for uh, 
a large proportion of our agricultural inputs. Fair enough. So yeah, so Trent, what else is happening? What else can you tell us? Yeah, the appreciating Aussie doesn't help, but you can manage it. Buy some Aussie oh. calls or how, how some it, hedging. How, Make how, sure you, you line up your, uh, your, your contract contract sales cycle basically you know it's um you know you put pen to paper on an export trade and you're using a budgeted rate um you know you kind of listen to your your business is driving that behavior right and and, and that's kind of you know how you underpin it from a an export you know currency risk management standpoint so like it's yeah it hurts it's it it, it, it it's frustrating when it's appreciating it you know reduces the competitive competitive to market um you know competing on a global scale um interesting to see how Andre's season goes. He had a chat with yeah, the other day over in Russia, you know, see what that looks like. And But, you know, like it's, I think if you're, you're tucking the sales away and you're still able to, you know, get that piece done, you know, the currency is just, you know, part and parcel of, you know, dealing international and it is, it is manageable, you know. So it's, um, it's uh, it can be taken control of. You can take control of it. Um, you just, you know, keep it simple when it comes to it, really. Now, Trent, um, you indicated you might have a few curly questions for us. You were under the pump uh, there a little bit on the Aussie dollar, but uh, was there <laughs> particularly, particularly when we were getting set up for this particular podcast, you'd said there was a couple of things you wanted to grill us on. Have you got them handy or you, have, they, have you um, gone out of your mind? Yeah, I've gone down the uh, Aussie sterling uh, wormhole now and I've been absolutely mm. thrown, obliterated. <laughs> nah, mate, look, um, yeah, I just... Or it was interesting to hear, you know, where where we were from the grains perspective. Obviously, yeah, harvest around the corner, and um, feel the guys that you know we're dealing with are you know, quite optimistic about it. Um, with where the currency is at the moment, obviously looking to you know kind of bring forward the decision making cycle to um, you know try and jump on this currency before it gets away and then gets a little bit too you know finical on a cost perspective. Um, in the abattoir space, like the processing, yeah, it's. Um, it's tough out there, I guess. Like, you know, that, that, that's kind of what we're hearing and, and it's similar to what you're saying. I mean, my, my only comment is around, you know, this restocking of the herd. It just doesn't, I mean, yeah, it's quite a bold call, but it just doesn't, I just don't have much confidence in it happening anytime soon, which is, you know, how does that kind of play out for the next few years? You know, like what, what needs to happen for, you know, a, a proper restocking um, in livestock to occur you know, to get your female slaughter ratio down, like I don't like what's the silver bullet, Matty? There you um, go. There it that's, is. That's um, that forecast from the bureau that just came out for the next three months. That's going to go a part of the way. Um, so that's you know that's obviously getting people um, very excited on the east coast at least uh, for for the a good spring to be set up. And some parts of New South Wales, Northern New South Wales, that, that suffered. Um, the last few years through the dry, they do rely a lot on that spring rain to set themselves up for summer to make sure there's pasture to carry through. Um, and so that's that, the amount of rain that they're anticipating, um, and obviously it's as if it comes to fruition, of course, but the, the confidence is quite high from the Bureau at this time. Um, and and the we're talking, you know, 70, 80% um, levels above average, you know, in terms of what they're thinking. So 
um, you know, a lot of the models are predicting good, good wet weather uh, at a time when it's warm. So you're going to get you know, good pasture growth too. Um, that won't be enough in its own right to get things. I mean, it's going to get things going. And we've already seen restocker activity, both in cattle and, and land markets in the last few weeks on the back of that, that rain. Um, but we will need obviously follow through in the southern break next autumn, uh, next next year to get a de- you know, we want to have a decent southern break. Um, if you go back historically over the last, say, you know, 20, 30 years, it's not uncommon when we get these wet years that we tend to get two in a row. It's, it's, it's a fairly regular thing. So I think there's some optimism there as well that this will carry through to next year. And so we'll have a good, probably with a bit of luck, maybe a year and a half worth of good wet weather. And that's probably what we do need um, you know, to, to, to keep that confidence up and the optimism up in the restocking space. Um, you know, from a longer term perspective, that's one of my um, concerns, I guess, uh, that it seems to be the case that every time uh, we get a dry period, they last for longer and they come more frequently. Uh, yeah. and, and when we get a wet season, it comes quickly and it's over and done with about a year and a half, two years tops. I don't know if two years of wet and then if we switch straight back into dry, I don't know if that's enough to really get a sustained momentum behind either the herd rebuild or the flock rebuild. I think what we need is a two to three year wet period and then a couple of years of average, two to three, four years of average before we go into our next you know, painful drought. And it looks as though the pattern at the moment is wet, dry, wet, dry kind of thing rather than there's not much of an average at the moment. Uh, and I think we need to have a bit of stability around that uh, to give a bit more confidence to to really have a few years under your belt where it doesn't have to be as wet as this year's shaping up to be. But even if we just get you know two or three years of average after it, that'll be enough to give you know a good push towards building the herd properly and building the flock properly. So we might only get a little bit blip up, and then we're back to you know destocking again if we get a return to the dry, which would be a real a real um, you know, a nuisance for, for not just producers, but the whole, um, the whole supply chain. A bit of, bit of stability, like uh, our mate Andrew's wheat price, I guess. <laughs> well, you, actually, you raised a good point as well there, Trent. About, we had a conversation with, with Andre last week, uh, mm. and it was, that was a pretty good podcast. It was really interesting. If you don't mind saying so yourself. Well, we didn't provide the content. Andre was the one speaking. That's true. Uh, it was interesting uh, him talking about the uh, impact of climate change positively for him. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting point. And I think, look, he's, he's got a lot of insights into Russia, and that's an area everyone looks at, but it's good to hear from the, somebody on, on the actual ground there. But I guess like looking at things, like another, another curly question for you, Trent, is the ruble. Uh, <laughs> But the the ruble ruble's lost a lot of value in the last couple of months. Yeah. And so that's uh, well, I'm not gonna ask you the question. I'll, I'll just explain what my, <laughs> what, what my view is. The ruble's lost a lot of value, so their their currency is depreciating against the US dollar, which effectively yeah. makes the grower in Russia is gonna get more more cash in their pockets. Mm. Uh, because their, 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 their export value is so much better yeah. because of the fact that the, the, the ruble has fallen so much. Mm. And I wonder if that then encourages them to plant as much as possible next year because, you know, I normally see Jimmy the farmer, but Ivan the farmer oh, Ivan. in Russia 
is going to have uh, a bit more cash in his pocket if the if the rubles, you know, at close to the lowest levels it's been in the past. You know, really, if we the last almost five years. Mm. So you're saying in the next, you know, future years, it's setting them up for a good couple of seasons, providing the weather's okay. They're right. not sure that they're going to going to have plenty of money to spend, uh, increasing and getting more efficient, and you know, getting getting more area area under harvest. And uh, you know, as long as the weather's kind to them, then they might have an even bigger crop next season. Well, more more cash in the pocket, so they'll plant as much as possible, like on a local level. Interesting point. Yes. I'll leave, I'll, well, leave I'll, leave, I'll leave that as homework for next time. Leave, yeah, leave that for another podcast. So they can, um, the old dollar just, rub. Uh, the dollar rub. Jeez. Yeah. We might just um, release Trent now to let him go away and lick his wounds and come back another day. You might scare away well, our special guest, Andrew, with these Matt, uh, two Matt, hard questions. <laughs> Matt, he did ask to come on. You know? <laughs> yeah, this was... Yeah, I should, I should be bloody chairing these things now, shouldn't I? I'm the one that... Thought-provoking conversation. Yeah. Mm. Wow. There you go. I wouldn't say the thought-provoking, but the conversation. Yeah. Mm. There you go. All right. Yeah, Andrew. Okay, Aussie, did you want to... Yeah, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, if Andrew's going to do his little wrap-up and hit the music. No, you, you can do it tonight, Matt. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. This is, this is your show. Yeah. You, got, you know, before you guys leave, next... Um, I want you guys to roll out. I don't know what kind of royalties you need to pay on this, but Western Union, sorry, Elvis Presley did mention Western Union in a, uh, in a song once. So I guys want you to roll that track for me on the next time that we've got one of these podcasts, uh, podcasts happening. But you're asking for us to change. You're asking for us to change the music of the podcast. Just a Uh, one off. And we've got to remember, Trent, that you don't pay any money to come on this podcast or, or, right. or to support it, but you do apparently support some other podcasts out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for my Cooper as well, mate. Uh, there you go. I think uh, we've had so much fan mail about the uh, how enjoyable the music is. I, I don't know if you know, we might, uh, you know, it's I'm like not, when you change, it's like when you go and change the Coke recipe or change the. Uh, you know, all these things that are such uh, becoming such popular things, and you change the recipe all of a sudden, you just get a big backlash. I'm not sure if we could. Uh, to, to, you know. to, to be fair, Matt, this was it was my second choice. This this uh, <laughs> this music, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I do have another one lined up for that time that we do decide to change it, which may happen. No, I think uh, I think it's growing on people definitely. I know I know I, Clint I, Jasper. I, I, I don't think it is growing on anyone. <laughs> nah, this mate. Clint Jasper loves it. He told me. He told me on secret. Secretly, he actually quite likes it. Uh, um, I think we might call call it call it a, uh, a night there. And uh, thanks, Trent, for coming on again and braving the uh, the Scotsman's um, difficult questions. Okay, I guess with his tough questioning, it's a bit like a throwback to uh, Yana Ven or or uh, Kerry O'Brien with all these difficult questions he was asking. Um, so, listeners, if you enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure you um, let your friends know and family, even if you didn't enjoy it, let people know so they can jump on board and have a listen and um, make sure you like it. And uh, even leave us a comment or two. A bit of feedback's always good uh, on the, uh, on the uh, Apple, Apple uh, site there where you can put comments. That'd be great to, to hear what you think of it. Um, really, that's it. Really, I think we'll wrap really, it up. Really professional outro out, out there, Matt. Did you like that? It was, it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see. I can see. I can see this, this whole podcast is well scripted. And, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Thanks very much. See you when you got nothing on. <laughs> Ciao, oh, boys. Now. Thank you very much. Take it easy. <laughs>